Welcome to the Yours in Marketing podcast, brought to you by Directive, the enterprise search marketing agency. Hey, it's Blake here. If this is the first time that you're joining us on the Yours in Marketing podcast, do me a favor. Please go wherever you get your podcast, doesn't matter where, and please review, rate, subscribe to the podcast right now. Well, or after the episode, whichever works for you. We're really looking for your support so that we can build this and make it even more valuable for you. So please rate, review, and subscribe the Yours in Marketing podcast. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. On today's episode, I spoke with Dave Polykoff, the CEO and co-founder at Presto Media, among other things. And we focus heavily on content marketing and writers. This is a big topic for companies out there that are looking to build out their content presence but don't know exactly how. It's also going to be great for people that want to start learning how to blog and do it the right way. Here are the main points that you're going to get out of this. First and foremost, we discuss how companies should find, vet, and hire their writers. Secondly, we move on to talk about how you can write for humans and search engines at the same time. And we close out by discussing just how you can start blogging if that is what you're interested in. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Dave Polykoff. And we are live with Dave Polykoff. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing very well, Blake. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Really, really pleased to have you. And for context, Dave is the CEO and co-founder of ZenPost and a bunch of other things that we'll talk about. I guess really we could we could kind of start there because that's really interesting to me. Right now, your experience up until this point in marketing is far more entrepreneurial in nature than I think most marketers out there. I'm curious, just up until this point, if you could bring us up to speed on the different projects you've worked on, especially within the marketing space and, and kind of how that's gotten you to this point. Absolutely. So yeah, your, uh, your note about really having kind of more of the startup entrepreneurial background is, is pretty on point. Really started when I was in college and uh, was, was focused on marketing and advertising as a major and minor looked for some internships that would provide some sort of marketing internship and got one that was an unpaid internship, was part-time and and looked for something that was paid as well to kind of be able to get as much experience, but also pad the the wallet a little bit. Right. And the one that I did find was this very young, small startup, one and a half employees, I think at the time, that focused on what was the, the infancy of pretty much search engine marketing and SEO and, and content marketing. And through that experience, started to get an, a taste for what the entrepreneurial life is like. And that ended up growing from, uh, I was employee number three, that ended up growing into roughly about a hundred plus employee company here in, in Philadelphia, one of the fastest growing companies around that time. And through that, saw what it took to really build a company, what what kind of the move fast and break things type culture is like. But also, we worked with a lot of great brands, focusing on really an online presence, what it took to to write quality content and have Google respect it and rank it, and and kind of the 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 process of of chasing Google's coattails when it comes to algorithms. And so really rode that way for a while and then just kind of got the uh the itch when it comes to uh you know being able to run your own business and and something that you were competent in and and love doing and so from that experience was able to kind of spin that concept off into a few other projects and then what eventually landed into a first kind of digital agency presto media about four or five years ago now and that's more focused on content writing for digital magazines and publishers. Yeah, so like going on with that, with that first experience from there, what else have you done in terms of marketing? Like where else did you go after your first, that first exposure? Yeah, so through through that first experience, again, worked with some brands that a kid coming out of college, you wouldn't imagine you'd have that kind of experience with and really was in a position where I was able, I was really leading the product development at that time and and was part of some major, I guess, product decisions and company decisions and, and was able to get these experiences that normally a, a young 20-something wouldn't, wouldn't have in a startup. And then through that, joined a, a separate startup that, that had a similar model. Um, and we were able to work with a lot of great publications at that time, worked with the Associated Press, Business Insider, Metro, 
a lot of just kind of well-respected publications, was able to be in, in these meetings at these headquarters and just kind of get a really good idea of what the publishing space is like and then how, regardless of the size of, of, of the publication, of, of the company, everyone's really going through the same problems when it comes to understanding what Google wants, understanding what readers want, and how to work with writers to create that content that's going to please everybody. And so really was able to gain a, a good understanding of, of the quote-unquote market of quality content and then decided to kind of take the reins and, uh, and start my own business through that experience, digital agency, and, and really wanted to hone in on being able to provide, making that link between writer and, and business and finally kind of cracking the code when it comes to being able to write quality content for, for businesses. And, and through that, you know, certainly still learned a ton in terms of the word quality is, is many times relative to, to uh, you know, the business or the publication. And so you really have to work with, with, with the customer, with the client to, to really understand what their goals are, you know, what they're expecting out of the content What's driving the revenue for their business? Is it ads or is it a product? And that really shapes how how the the content gets written. It shapes the content strategy, shapes when and where the the articles are published, and um, that really drove a lot of uh, the experience throughout the years. And then from that, found other other opportunities, we'll call them, of where we as a business wanted to be able to provide value in other ways or be able to grow grow our business in other ways and that kind of led to some some other projects that you know we're working on as well. So for for context for the audience, how many companies currently are you a part of? Sure. So right now my main digital agency is Presto Media. That's been around for about 4 or 5 years now. And then from that we I kind of identified two main I guess opportunities or areas that we felt we had the resources to support as well and one is we worked with a lot of brands that needed content creation for their blog and and a social media presence as all young startups and up to you know enterprise companies do but we we saw that a lot of the young startups and and small businesses there was real bottlenecks and hurdles when it came to being able to keep a consistent blogging and social media presence and that really was just parts of the workflow that seemed to just become a bottleneck for, for, for the business. And what we wanted to do was provide a solution that could automate that in a way and, and take out those bottlenecks. And so we started a, a separate product called Zenpost. And that's, that's one product that kind of spawned from, from an agency, more of a tech solution uh, that came from an agency. And then secondly, naturally, we work with a lot of writers and uh, we felt that there was a we were we were curating writers for our businesses that you know we went through a lot of manual steps to try to make sure that they were competent in, in in certain topics you know when we brought a writer on that that needed to write a certain write within a certain industry we needed to feel confident that they could actually write around that that industry and that they they knew the SEO skills and and were able to be effective for us and so we had our own internal ways of doing that but it just didn't feel scalable so we built a solution internally for ourselves to to be able to to scale that and to ensure that the writers are when we hire a writer that they are competent and effective for the purposes we need them for and 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 from that we kind of also figured you know why not just kind of bring it into its own its own product itself and 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 provide that solution for others as well so in total three businesses that all kind of work hand in hand in some form or fashion and, and live in the same universe as each other. So uh, it doesn't feel so much like three businesses. It feels more like three kind of projects that just live in the same, same universe. Got it. Makes sense. So you're, you're a busy guy and uh, you've, got, you've got a very unique experience working with writers in every way imaginable. But I'm curious just to kind of start off this conversation, how do you think tip, companies typically are viewing their relationship with writers and just with content creation in general right now? Sure. So we see this a lot where the, the the writer and brand relationship is a tough one because writers really want to be, you know, there's, they want to be respected for their craft. And then the brands have, or, you know, publishers and whomever have their needs that 
can be very specific to them. And so when it comes to things like tone, format, turnaround times, or even just kind of payout, a lot of times writers and and their clients are on different pages. So it's something that is a, a tough situation because the writing and freelancing space is is uh, throughout the years becoming a bit oversaturated. The barrier to entry to be a freelance writer is very low, and there's a lot of you know services and solutions out there that that help you get into the space fairly easily, which is great for for those that want to kind of grow their career as a freelance writer. But when it comes to the competition for writing a piece for for a client, they're going to look at things like not only just competency, but how much does it cost to write. And so I think one of the big things that we're we're seeing is just brands and publishers really valuing a, a, a freelancer's time and, and competency and how you can differentiate between a competent writer who's been around for, for many years and understands the, the intricacies of writing for Google and algorithms and, and those that maybe aren't as expensive because they're trying to pay their dues and get the experience. And that, that becomes a bit more attractive to, to clients, but many times is not equate to quality content. Um, and so I would say that the, the, the relationship is, is a bit tough just due to everyone's looking for, looking for the best deal, but they want, they want things, the trifecta of quick quality and, and as least expensive as possible. And, and really you only get two of those things at a time. And, um, so, you know, a lot of times brands will, will uh, continue to, to shop around or there'll be a high turnover when it comes to, to freelancers because, you know, it's tough to, to really understand that you need to, if you want things quality, if you want fast turnarounds, then you're going to have to invest into that. If you have a lower budget, then there's going to have to be some sacrifices in some other areas. And, and it's just kind of an education experience there for, for brands when it comes to that. Going even deeper into that, talking about how brands can cooperate a little bit better with writers, is there a correct way or a process that's been proven by you to to work really well for your companies, for brands and how they can find and vet and actually onboard the right writers? Sure. So I think one of the first things that a brand or publisher needs to to have prepared is really doing their their homework initially for what they want out of the content. Why are you writing the content in the first place? To, we're kind of getting into an era of, of content for content's sake because we hear that it's important. And, and really, don't, don't start a blog just because you, you hear that you need one. Really understand why you're, you're, you're creating a blog. If you're a publisher, really understand who your audience is. Come, come prepared to the writer with the information that you need for them to be successful. I think what we see a lot is the brands will come to the to the writer expecting them to kind of do everything for them and the writer is there to to really craft the the content based on you know the brand's goal so they'll kind of look at each other and say you know kind of point fingers at each other and say you know well I thought you had this so as a brand really just come prepared knowing if you're if you're focused on an SEO effort what are those keywords Who's your target audience? What topics are going to relate best to them? And if that's something that you need the writer, freelancer to to provide for you, then then that needs to be part of the discussion and part of kind of the the relationship. But otherwise, really understand again what what it is you you need out of out of the freelancer. And then it really starts like any great relationship is just communication. So really starting off with kind of a kickoff call. Typically, the the freelancer will lead that through some you know probing questions, but really understand is there tonality, specific kind of tonality points when it comes to your content that we need to hit on? Are we looking to be more of a friendly tone, authoritative, et cetera? Is there, you know, what is who is your competition, not only for reference sake, but also we see this all the time. We don't want to include your your competition in the content. And those are some things that can really be some some big triggers for brands that including a, a competitor and a content can really throw them off. But again, also, you know, why, you know, what, what is it that you're writing this content for? Are you looking, are you an e-commerce site and you're looking to draw eyeballs to your, to your website and then push product through, through that content? Are you a SaaS software company that is looking to educate and inform and inspire uh, some sort of conversion? 
So really, again, yeah, understanding kind of what what's the purpose of the content, and that'll drive inform the writer as to what kind of the, what you're leading the reader to to do. What's the call to action in, in the content? But also, at the end of the day, it really comes down to competency of the of the writer when it comes to the industry. We see this all the time, and this is kind of a a point more for for writers and how they can be more effective when it comes to their clients is the writers really love to kind of stretch their their editorial muscles and they they like to take on challenges and say you know what i i i've written a few pieces on classic automotive cars in in, in my life but uh, i mean you know, maybe i'm not an expert but i feel like i could really be effective for this client and they'll take on a topic that that they really don't have the competencies to cover and so what ends up happening is they'll do the research and they'll they'll be able to pull facts and and drafted into a well-written piece, but anyone who really understands the intricacies of, you know, classic cars and, and is really just uh, passionate about that, if they were to read the article, they can kind of, you know, call BS on the writer's ability to understand that topic. And that's the main thing that we always see is the ability for for a writer to to really hone in on the to, to speak the language of, of that topic and not just fake it. And, and it's kind of the saying that, that we kind of use internally is the idea of a writer who doesn't really understand the, the topic when they're writing it will end up sounding like the piece will end up coming out sounding like, you know, a high schooler giving a, a book report who, who didn't actually read the book. It sounds like you get all the pieces there. There are some facts about the topic that are included, but if you were really to double down and, and, and dive into, uh, into the content, you really don't get the feeling that this person is, is being informative to, to the topic. So I would say on the brand side, come prepared, understand why you're writing the content and, and make sure you're, you're communicating that well with, with the writer. And, and from the writing side, you need to just be confident in, in the topic that you're writing about and, and not try to overextend yourself into covering a piece that you really uh, aren't going to be too much of an authority. Well, that that's great because you've just taken us basically through the process of finding and vetting, onboarding, hiring writers. And now when we get into this, the next part is the crucial part is actually writing. And I'm curious because as a marketer myself in SEO, it used to be back in the day, people were just, you could kind of game the system. And you could keyword stuff, you could do all kinds of things, black hat SEO to help your article rank better. Then that went away and increasingly Google is becoming so much more obsessed with user experience and answering questions and they're not caring, caring as much about the specific exact phrasing and the actual keywords. They're, they're getting better at inferring. So one constant struggle for marketers is creating content that speaks both to humans and to search engines equally well. But I'm curious what tips you have to balance this from your experience. Sure. So early days of, of SEO and getting, uh, getting content to rank, you know, as you mentioned, was you're writing for an algorithm and, and, and that was more easily uh, gameable to, to, as you mentioned, kind of keyword stuff and these, these kind of black hat tips to, you know, link, link building and black hat link building and, and things that could easily trigger an algorithm to think, you know, this is a quality piece of content. Google is always three steps ahead of that when it comes to understanding what what these these black hat approaches are and inevitably will make some sort of algorithmic update to to fix that. So at the end of the day, you, you shouldn't be writing for algorithms because algorithms will change. And if you're an SEO agency and, and you're doing that, then you'll again always be writing the coattails and or chasing the coattails of, of a Google algorithm. But what will always remain consistent, and you have to look at what you know what Google is, is is it's being able to provide information to the reader as easily as possible and in the best experience as possible. And so anyone who accomplishes that will win out on on Google. And so you're not no longer writing for an algorithm, although there are many necessities when it comes to content. Keywords are still important. You know, link linking is still a factor. But the experience to the reader is now what what Google is is mostly concerned about. And things that Google takes into consideration are, you know, bounce rate. So 
if you do come to your page and you have the best content for that purpose, but if you have a very slow website or if your organization or, or you know UI of, of, of the page itself is very difficult to understand or there's a lot of ads that, that pop up over the content, it's a bad user experience and there'll be the user will tell Google that this isn't a page that should be ranked because they'll immediately bounce out of the page. So that's a that's becoming increasingly a larger factor when it comes to uh, to rankability is just the actual experience of the page. So one thing beyond content is is yeah the 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 ability to guide the reader through the content. So what we've been seeing a lot of now is and you see this a lot on publications as well as they'll they'll give kind of a, a bullet format at the top of content that really breaks down what you're about to read and gives kind of the the cliff notes version of the article and that that's a a nice way to kind of treat the the reader and say you know here are the highlights if you really want the in-depth information continue to read but it's also kind of a nice teaser for for uh, for the reader to to want to it's easily consumable. Readers are, by nature, we we tend to enjoy bullet lists and and bullet points and and numbered lists because it's easy to consume. So, starting off your article with with some few um, key highlight bullet points is, is is a great way to to get readers to not immediately bounce because they can quickly kind of jump to the information they need. Another thing we see a lot of now is if you do have a list, maybe it's a top ten list of best widgets and you know whatever it might be is to put that into a table of contents at the top and link off to uh, use for each of those items make it a hyperlink that clicks down to the section below so they can easily navigate the page and then add add links into your content that that bring the the reader back to the top to that that table of contents and so this is a, a user experience that readers enjoy because they it, they can quickly navigate your page and it's it's interaction with your page other things in, in terms of rich media. So we've seen that increasingly the, the more imagery, imagery or, or, or even video that you use in your content keeps readers engaged as well. Not, they don't like to see walls of text. It just naturally feels as though it's it's you're going to read a novel and, and, and not be entertained. And then lastly, a big thing that we've, we implement and we, we see is when it comes to consuming the content not only the format of it and, and making sure that you're hitting the right topics, but but the actual sentences themselves, making sure that they're short and punctual and, and short and sweet, essentially. And so if you can cut down on unnecessary words or even just in, in the sake of how long your paragraphs are, we've, we've experimented with sometimes even in having a paragraph just be one or two sentences and then if you know kind of breaking that up and if, if it seems it seems strange to kind of have this very we'll use the word kind of chunky content in the sense of one or two sentences per paragraph but when it comes to the reader it's highly more consumable they're not going to land on the page and see this again this kind of novel of, of paragraphs of text that naturally we're just looking for one quick answer or we're looking to read up on something fairly quickly and uh, don't want to consume five, six sentences in one paragraph, even though it, it's still the same word count, it's still the same amount of, of sentences. The actual just kind of psychology of being able to to read that uh, with a lot more white space around it, you've seen that, that that's a, a better user experience for the reader as well. So a lot of it is when it comes to how you format your content. Uh, again, a big thing with with uh, Google, and I believe they just announced this uh, within the last few weeks, is the load time of your site. If you start to, if your site is not loading in kind of Google's preferred page speed, they're going to start kind of identifying that for 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 readers to to kind of say that this is a, a, a slower site. Same way that they've been doing that with making sure that your site is SSL secure. They've been pushing a lot of websites to, to secure their, their sites. Google will prompt you, or at least Chrome will, will prompt you with, uh, with a notification saying that this is an unsecure site. And so obviously that, that's a, a big indicator to, to Google that this might not be an authoritative site. And then lastly, kind of going back to the writers and their competencies and making sure that you are writing on a topic that you are an authority on. Google has these core topics when it comes to anything financial and medical and, and, and areas that deal with sensitive topics that if you are looking for an answer 
within one of those topics and you were to take the advice of someone who was not an authority in that space, it could in some way harm you, whether it be financially or physically, by taking bad advice. Google wants to ensure that only the most authoritative uh, and well-respected people are, are, are providing answers. They're going to rank those answers higher from, from authorities in those industries. So really taking a look at what your industry is and ensuring that you know, the bylines and, and who who's writing that content, not even just the words on the page, but actually the, the author of that content is taken in, into consideration by Google. And yeah, even, you know, Google will now have actual humans <laughs> without a, without an algorithm at humans sit down and, and review many sites and, and kind of evaluate their experiences through that and, and, and work, work those feedback loops in, into the, into their algorithm. So a day of reader experience as much as it is an algorithmic hack. Yeah, no, I, and I, I've totally seen that over the course of the past few years. It's just every single day it's becoming more and more important. And along those lines of being a little bit more user user experience focus, a little bit more humanistic in your marketing, you do have ZenPost, which is aimed at automating content marketing. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are, because as, as automation, especially other automation tools are becoming more prevalent, how do we still maintain our humanity in our marketing? Yeah, absolutely. And this is, this is a tough one when it comes to those businesses that really are product focused, product and sales focused, and, and usually marketing is kind of put at the bottom of the to-do list for that reason. And so Going back to my statement earlier is you don't want content for content's sake. The industry, as you know, as I mentioned, how writer the writer availability and, and, and writer industry is, is getting pretty oversaturated. And that's because of demand. Many people know that the world of content marketing means you need to have a blog, you need to be putting out ebooks, you need to be present on, on social media. And and that means that they're kind of taking the hack approach to publishing content just for the sake of having an, an active blog. And really, I think we're kind of in the middle of, of that right now. And there will be a correction when it comes to that, especially, you know, Google is already taking action on that when it comes to ranking content based on the most authoritative piece, uh, whether it be the, the one that's providing the most information or it's the author. but I really think that the, the the biggest importance when it comes to your your business to get ahead of this trend is really focus on not maybe not the quantity of content but really just the quality of it and and it's it's more important to put out one very authoritative piece per month than try to put out twelve fluff pieces per month just for the sake of showing that you have you know you're you're constantly publishing and 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 that's going to do more detriment to your brand your brand as, as as readers see that this is more fluff content and you're not they're not getting a lot of value out of it but also to, to google as we've said they know that that's the case and and sometimes they'll actually penalize your site for for doing that so i would say what we look to focus on in zen post is be able to we actually have been really playing around with kind of the the offerings and plans that that we provide where we really want to focus on on a lower amount of content per month and and more long form pieces that are going to inform. And again, it it really depends on on your strategy. If you're looking to to rank on Google, and that's that's the way to go is to to you know if you don't have a, a large budget but you still want to display your authority and and, and make sure that you are showing quality content to, to readers and, and, and to Google, then focus in on one or two very strong pieces per month. And then the goal for us is, is to really, again, find that authoritative writer that'll be able to cover that topic. And, and so what we're, we're, we're looking to do here is allow those that are authority in the space to actually pitch these brands some topics that they can that they can approve and add value to along with them. And so it's it's not so much just covering a topic for the sake of getting content written and published, but to actually cover an authoritative piece that that actually adds value to your blog rather than just looks to, to keep it consistent. So I would say just for anyone who's looking to either start content marketing or even just maybe evaluating their current strategy, 
is to really focus in on the value that you're bringing each and each and every piece. Uh, naturally, there are those businesses that can afford to have a you know a full marketing team that can continue to produce high quality content consistently, and and that does work. But for for the the smaller budgets of the world, start with you know one piece that that'll that'll be promotional, and we've even seen it in the in the space too. There are a lot of thought leaders that really will, will put out one. 5,000 plus word piece per quarter, but it's, it's the most informative and authoritative and, and, and the user experience that they put in, into that piece is, is very thoughtful. And then they promote the heck out of it. And, and that's how they, they lead gen is just by the value that they bring. And, and it's more of a quality instead of a quantity play. So yeah, just if you want to get ahead of, of where Google wants everyone to be, is is focus more on the value you're adding to the reader and and the experience and, and not so much focus on a quantity approach. Yeah, and, and to support your claim there, one one of the people that comes to mind for me in, in our space is Brian Dean. I'm sure that you are probably that, prob- that's who, probably referencing him. That's what I was thinking, but that's what I was referencing. But yeah, yep. so j- just to give the audience a little bit of an idea, if, if you don't follow Brian Dean, he doesn't only write blogs, but he also does YouTube videos and things like that. He goes on podcasts sometimes, but this is very much his approach, and it's it's one of those where just pay attention to what he does, not even necessarily what he says, because what he does is with his blog, he'll come up with these very long, very robust and well thought out blog posts every month or so or every quarter. And it's not over overloading you with information. It's just overloading you on one specific focus. And he does the same thing for videos as well in, in a world where everybody else tells you post, 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 if you want to have success, he's really people like that are kind of showing the model where, no, you actually post quality every so often when you can. And outside of that, just be thoughtful about your next project. Yeah, absolutely. And and the the information, I think the, the large part of, of that is what he's also doing is a lot of internal reporting and analyzing and, and, and kind of reporting back his findings. And sometimes that's trial and error on his end and and then providing real life examples of of his successes and his failures but you know mostly successes and that's that's tough to replicate on a weekly basis you really need to put in time to to gather that information over an extended period of time but the result is something that is very valuable information that really you'll then see people will it's it's so much value that those who want to kind of piggyback on the authority of, of Brian will then reference in their own blogs or uh, share on their own social sites. And, and that's at the end of the day, you want to not only be a, a, an authority with your own unique value and information that you're providing your industry, but you also want to be a curator of other valuable information. People want to be able to look to you to 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 say what is this space like now and, and who should I be following and, and what information is, is, is true and valuable. And when they come to your social account, they should be able to see uh, not only your information, but or your, your content, but also the curated content of, of other thought leaders in the space that you're kind of deeming as being a, a valuable information for your audience by sharing it. And so to provide information that is something that only you as a, a, a brand can provide based on data that you've collected over your experience or just kind of thought leaders, thought leadership through interactions with your clients and kind of trial and error when it comes to your services or, or your tools. That's information that others are going to want to piggyback off of as well and, and, and share with their audiences in order to kind of show their own audiences that, you know, we, we do respect quality content and, and, and quality information and, and, you know, this 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 brand over here is 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 providing that, and that, I think that it, within that last little section there, there were a lot of great things that you should do when writing. But I'm interested from your point of view, like what the number one most common mistake is that you see writers making, and how you would actually fix it. Sure. So I mean, there's lots of technical things that we could get into in terms of you know passive voice and and the ins and outs of that, but. Again, I think one of the major things I'll start off with, because I mentioned it before, is just really making sure that you feel confident and, and, and competent in a, in a in the topic you're writing about. Because if you are writing a piece that is is the point of it is to be an authoritative piece and you don't feel confident 
in that topic, it's going to shine through in the content in some shape or form. There's just a, there's certain just verbiage or, you know, kind of talking the talk that you can tell, you know, if, if you're with your friend grabbing dinner and you, you, you say, Hey, did you see that, that, uh, that episode last night? And they go, um, yeah, yeah, I saw that. And you go, Oh yeah. How about this one scene? And they kind of mumble through their response. You can tell that they just they haven't seen, they didn't watch the episode. Right. And, oh, yeah. um, and that, <laughs> and that happens with, with writing as well is, is, you know, the facts can be there. They can be well formatted. It can be all the things that we talked about before in terms of the user experience, but the actual just flow of the information, the confidence that, that shines through in, in, in the content. If you, if, if the reader is, is very knowledgeable about that, that topic, they'll, they'll be able to, uh, to call that out and, and it'll take away from the authority of the piece. So, you know, that's, that's a, a major point to writers that I would say is naturally there are chameleons out there that where there's certain writers that, that are, are able to adapt to, to certain topics, but just really make sure that the, the, the clients that you take on, you feel confident in, in your ability to, to write authoritatively around that. The other things too, are just, you know, when it comes to the kind of the, the formatting of the content. So a lot of what we were discussed before sure. is we see a lot of writers kind of bulking bulking their paragraphs together in, in kind of more of a unfriendly manner where it will deter readers from wanting to consume the content. It could be well-written and, you know, factually plush with, with, with information, but, but a reader will abandon if, if they don't want to, if it, if it looks like it's going to be too difficult, too, too difficult to consume. And then lastly, you know, some of the things that we, we said, you know, Google doesn't like is, you know, keyword stuffing, and, you know, overcompensating for maybe a lack of, of skill. So they hear about these techniques that are maybe a little bit outdated and like making sure that the, the keyword usage is, is appropriate or high. And they'll kind of overcompensate with what they think that the client will want or what they think Google will want and kind of go above and beyond with some of these SEO techniques. And it actually ends up hurting the piece because it's not what, you know, it doesn't sound natural. It's uh, throwing a red flag to Google and, and, you know, the client may not catch those things because they're hiring the writer to, to be the, the expert in that field. And then it'll get published and, and it'll hurt, hurt the reader and hurt, hurt Google. So I would say if you're going back to the concept of understanding the purpose of the content, if it's for, if it's for SEO purposes, really making sure that you're brushed up on the the most current best practices, and and you're not outdated with some of your with some of your techniques uh, within the content. And you know, lastly, just minor, minor, minor. I guess we'll call them oopsies when it comes to including a brand, a competitor's name in it, or getting a, a getting facts wrong. Obviously, getting people's names wrong. I mean, these are things that are you know, you would think are no brainers, but immediately devalue the content when it comes to, again, if, if, if a, a reader who is competent in, in that space begins to read the content and finds even, you know, this is, you know, obviously at a, at a, at a base level, spelling and grammar is, is one thing, but, uh, you know, facts and, and names of, of, of um, important people or places within the content, getting those things wrong can, can immediately devalue the content and, and make the reader think that, you know, can I trust even anything I'm reading if, if the information that this piece of information is wrong? And you'll certainly hear it from the reader in, in comments as well. If something's spelled wrong or if, uh, if a fact is wrong, that's usually where the comment thread can, um, can really pick up and, and you can be called out for that, that type of stuff. And that just, again, not, even, not only devalues the, the content, but then now you have a bit of a kind of a, a PR problem to, to focus on in the comments section. So really just making sure that you're going over this, this content with a fine tooth comb and, and uh, even just the small stuff, obviously spelling and grammar is just at the bare minimum of expectation when it comes to quality content, but your facts and your, your quotes and, and, and names of important nouns are, are, uh, need to be accurate uh, as, as just kind of a, a, an entry level into the quality content realm. Mm. I, I, I have a few more questions that I'm intrigued to pick your brain about, but if you'll indulge me first, I, I kind of want to do a thought experiment. I think I, I like to do this sometimes with guests. I think it can be really helpful for people that 
particularly right now, or maybe thinking about, hey, I want to I want to start my own blog, or I want to start a career as a free re- freelance writer, writer, and and talk talking for brands um, through their content. If you were right now starting your career as either a freelance writer or trying to create your own blog, I'm just curious, like where would you start? So what what platform would you use to start out with? Um, what would your strategy be? Sure. So okay, a few questions there. I guess again, going to what we've discussed in terms of, you know, strategy is, is based on purpose of the content. We can kind of look at some different business models. Again, don't have a blog for a blog's sake, you know, have a, have your, your content kind of be the funnel for, for your main business model. Content marketing is, is kind of a loss leader in a way, right? You're, you're really putting a lot of time, energy, and money into this top of funnel solution or, or, or assets in order to bring them through the funnel into what is your actual revenue driver. Again, you know, for publishers that could be content actually does equal money because you're get you're trying to get subscriptions or you're trying to monetize eyeballs through ads. But for brands, most of the time it's it's that you are trying to sell services or a product or you know a, a SaaS tool. And so if the point of the content is to be to sound authoritative or to inform then that will that will be part of the strategy if if your content is to keep the reader on the page as long as possible and then click off to another article in order to to show more ads uh, which is you know a lot of what the the publisher's strategy is then the way that you're going to approach the content there and even the format of the content will be greatly different so really it depends again on on, on the business model what is it that why did you start you know what is this what is this content associated with it's again it's not content for content's sake it's it's to to have a purpose behind it but yeah i would say you know if i if i'm maybe just looking to be really just a thought leader in the space and and really just want to have a personal blog my favorite cms and and blogging platform is wordpress i believe there's just statistic out there 80 85 of of the internet is, is basically based on it i think google's invested uh, recently uh, or at least the last the last couple of years have have has invested into to WordPress for that sake, or uh, for that reason, and it's just very dynamic. I use we I've must have launched fifty to sixty WordPress sites in the last few years, and use a, a great product. If you go to Theme Forest, there's a, a section where you can download some really elegant, nice WordPress themes and 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 drive that great user experience that we talk about comes with some default themes, which are great, but there's some really just nice kind of out of the box things. You don't need to be a developer to to get started with a blog. You know, it's a lot of just kind of out of the box, plug and play type things. So a combination of WordPress and, and a really nice theme from, from Theme Forest. There's obviously great plugins that you would want to use like Yoast SEO, which is just a SEO marketer's dream tool, being able to provide a lot of value around best practices for not only just things like site title and, and, and URL and, and meta description, but also providing the value of some of the things we talked about, like break your content up a little bit more. You're overusing the keyword. So that's a great blogger's friend when it comes to actually creating the content. And then, you know, again, when it comes to the, the content strategy, you know, if you're looking to be more of a thought leader, if you want to populate search results, using some third-party tools to, to help you find some, some great topics to use. Some of the internal ones that we use, BuzzSumo is, uh, is, has been a marvelous tool in terms of finding what's already trending out there. What are some other thought leaders in the space? What, what do they like to share? What are some you know, topics that they've shared a lot of? And, and see how you can maybe add value to that topic, seeing what's kind of the, the top content that's, uh, that's been the most shared on individual sites. It also has a, a topic generator tool on there as well. So that's a nice uh, Swiss Army knife for, for topic ideation, as well as, you know, SEMrush has a, a lot of great, you know, similar tools and, and, and helps you actually keep track of your content and seeing how that ranks on Google. But really, when it comes to your own, your own ideation beyond kind of supporting tools is really just start with what value can you bring to, to your audience. And this Again, this kind of goes back to what we mentioned when it comes to writers not really covering topics that they're not going to be in authority on. Same thing goes to a business owner or whomever actually is, is writing the content. It doesn't need to be a, a third-party freelancer. 
if you're the business owner and, and looking to, to, to cover a topic, really kind of just starting with, again, why am I writing this content? Who am I writing it for? And, and what value can I bring to them? And sometimes we see that you kind of get lost in what that means, because something that you think is just kind of intuitive to yourself, you think kind of everyone knows, you kind of take the information that you have in your head for granted, but can be the the most interesting piece of information that your reader doesn't or your audience otherwise, you know, wouldn't know. So don't don't as a as a as a personal blogger, as a as a business owner running your own blog or writing your own content, don't take the information that that you've accumulated throughout your years of within your business for granted because it's that type of of information that you you can you can bring up in 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 conversation with someone and and then go oh I did you know I never knew that that's an interesting thing and 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 your kind of response to that is oh I didn't think anyone really cared about this but um, it actually is can can make for for some great great topics and a lot of that a lot of that information kind of the last point here is a lot of those types of topics actually come up in just natural conversation when you're when you're talking with your your business partners or your employees or even clients the conversations that you have you'll be kind of unintentionally giving some advice to them in some way or or having some sort of moment of of clarity around your industry in some form or fashion and and you're you're kind of providing value to that client or employee or, or business partner or, or whoever's listening to you at the time and and you can kind of you kind of might pause and think like oh wow that was a kind of a good point on my behalf and that's the area where you need to kind of stop and pause and, and say well let's kind of spin that into into a piece of content because you know naturally I have a lot of opinions around it and, and people seem to think it's important so so really kind of listen to yourself and 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 know what you what you can write about and 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 write it right from a, a world of of kind of passion around the, uh, the the product or service that you're providing. I have, I have one final question for you. At least once an episode, I'll try to ask the guests to be kind of a fortune teller. So this is your fortune teller question. And uh, just, just your honest sure. opinion on this, because basically what we saw in the past decade or so, going into 2020, we can kind of look back now at the past decade. And just like newspapers and traditional journalism were kind of at the wrong end of a revolution when the internet came around, when blogging became big. With video and podcasting being potentially easier to create content than blogging, do you foresee a similar potential downfall for blogging because of that? I do not. I think the the two will work in conjunction, actually, because what we as as for content marketing, you want to be able to provide value in the the way and channel that your consumer wants to consume the content, and and for many that might be through audio, through podcasting, their commute to and from work or while they're at work or, you know, wherever at the gym. And that it's a great way to consume that content for other means, being able to consume it more in a visual aspect where you can provide examples for, you know, in in a podcast, at least to date, Brian Dean is very great at providing these examples of screenshots and, and, you know, illustrations and, and kind of infographics that, really dive into the the topic and content that a podcast again as of you know as of December 20, 2019 isn't available yet but the two can work in conjunction where and this is something that we we're looking you know we we, we really try to uh, implement it into our products and services is driving other forms of media from the seed of one long form piece of content. And so if that is a podcast, for example, and you, you are very good at being kind of an orator for your, your industry, um, and that's your competency, then lean on podcasts as your, your sole or your, your, your main source of, of providing value, but don't just you know, leave it there, you can translate that into other media types. It then can be written out into a blog post. It then can, you can chop up that audio format and spin that off into a social post. And now you're not only providing value to your website through contact, through, through text, which then can rank on, on Google and people then can find you through search, but you're then also spinning that off into other forms of social posts that people can find you on social now. So I would say 
it's not one one won't win out if you're doing it correctly you'll do you'll do all in some shape or form and and one just might be an area where you you spend most of your time but i i wouldn't exactly say that uh it needs to be one or the other but i am very interested in in where podcasting is going i, I do think that it's seeing a bit of as you mentioned kind of the barrier to entry for podcasting is very low so we are seeing kind of a rise in in you know everyone's got a podcast for something type of uh, it's the uber of type of uh type of day for, for podcasting and and i think again that goes back to what we talked about with with blogging is is don't just produce content for content's sake but really really go for depth and, instead of instead of quantity and i think we'll eventually see that that scenario play out with podcasts as well as people are getting kind of content fatigue and they don't want to hear the same topic spun off 500 times they they want the authority for that topic and they want to spend their time at the gym listening to to the podcast for the topic instead of some watered down version of 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 what they really care about. So I, I would love to see podcasts kind of have an evolution there and, and, and have some, maybe, uh, you know, I love what anchors doing for podcasts right now in terms of innovating around it and providing some, some more ways to consume it. And, and, and in some ways actually provide some visual aspects to podcasts, but at the end of the day, not everyone wants to, or in some cases can consume content through a podcast and, and the visual ways is, is going to win out. But they all, they all will work together. Well, thank you very much, Dave Polykoff, CEO and co-founder of ZenPost, also pro writer and Presto Media, for coming on the show, for, for imparting your knowledge, especially around content marketing. It's been very valuable for me, and I know that, that our listeners are going to have that same value as well. Would love to give you a chance just to talk about what you're working on, if you have any, you know, if they can follow you on social media anywhere. And then, uh, yeah, I think we'll be good to go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Blake. This is this has been uh, fantastic. You know, any chance I get to to come on and, and, and talk with other uh, you know marketers such as yourself is I love to do it. So yeah, if you if you want to follow me, uh, social media, everything is Dave Polly at Dave Polly P O L Y. And yeah, right now just working on again men- mentioned Presto Media, more of a digital agency for those looking to kind of produce a high volume of content. And then in 2020, have a few projects when it comes to uh, more of an automation around blogging and content marketing and social media posting, and that's in ZenPost. And if you are a freelance writer, releasing a Pro Writer in 2020 as well, which will be a solution to help you show off your, your writing skills, uh, certify them, and really find some writing jobs that you love around topics that you enjoy. So that'll be a busy 2020, and, and, and maybe we can come back on uh, same time next year and, and discuss it all again. I would love that. Thank you, Dave. Really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thank you, Blake. And that's it for today's episode. Again, if you're a first-time listener or you've been at it since the beginning, please go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Wherever you get your podcasts, we've got you covered anywhere you want. 